What's up, what's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? Welcome to the Why Jesus Podcast. We are on episode, what episode are we on? 18 or 19, something like that, right? So thank you for tuning in if you've made it into the high teens. Really appreciate that. Uh, Why Jesus, answering life's most important question. Um, You know, really excited about this podcast. And the reason being is because we have an incredible, incredible guest with us today, Mr. Johnny Root. I hope I say your last name right. Johnny Root of TP USA, the Faith Division. Johnny, how you feeling? Feeling great, man. Appreciate you asking me. This is some important topics. And I know we were talking about before the show, we're just praying that that Puerto Rican internet just stays for <laughs> you. I'm excited. Yeah, man. I, I appreciate your choice in hats. You know, I must say uh, it. <laughs> We did not plan this, guys. I just want you to know. If you're listening on streaming, we're wearing khaki hats, and we did not plan it. But, yeah, my wife my wife was like, you're not going to change your hat? And I'm like, no, we're, we're keeping it. We are keeping it. All right, so let's jump right into it, guys. Uh, Johnny, tell us just a little bit about your testimony on, on how you came to Christ. Tell us just a little bit of background of you and, uh, and take as much time as, as you like. Well, obviously, it's just by the grace of of God that I've been saved, and it's it's a beautiful thing, something that I don't deserve. I grew up in a Christian home. I was born in the San Francisco Bay Area. It has definitely changed a lot in my 31 years of life. Uh, I moved up to Sacramento early in my life. I went to a few Christian schools, but you know, I, I think some people have a similar story of the Bible, which is kind of a rule book. Uh, God seemed, you know, close at times, far away at others. There wasn't a, a clear understanding of what a relationship looked like. And also, too, that, that's a lot of me not taking personal responsibility. I feel I was very stuck in uh, a, mor- a moralism. I didn't really feel I was spiritually superior to people, but I felt like I was a pretty good kid. I felt like, you know, I, I didn't do anything too crazy. I didn't, uh, I'm not going to get into like a Roman Catholic view of things, but, uh, you know, it's just kind of like I'm not committing what I think would be like mortal sins or something that is unforgivable. I, I didn't really have a very strong understanding of relationship with God and his word. And then once I went off to college, I went to Azusa Pacific University in Southern California. I was lucky enough to play football there. And John, dude, I was not a worship guy. I was like, I have a horrible voice. Um, I'm not going to sing too loud because I always made the joke, if I sing too loud, people are going to leave the faith because they're, <laughs> and that is not of God. That is not a good voice. I, I feel like I have an okay radio voice. I got an okay face and voice for being on camera. That's what I do a lot. But during that worship service, it was a Wednesday night service. We called it Kaleo um, at Azusa Pacific. I was raising my hand in worship. I just felt like um, it wasn't just a crazy God told me this, or I saw a vision of that. It was like, no, I I understood, wow, uh, Almighty deserves all of my praise. And it was a journey that led me to getting baptized the summer after my freshman year of college. And I wouldn't say that, you know, I I lived for Christ super well um, in college, even going to a Christian college. There's still this aspect of like, well, you know, like, I'm going to drink here. I'm going to drink there. You know, I'm, I'm not doing anything done with girls, but like, I, I feel pretty good about myself. But once, um, I think I started really getting out of college, living on my own, I understood what a relationship looked like. Um, when I was looking for romantic relationships and 
what it meant like to be in Christian community, what it meant like to be serving at a church. And then now too, I feel like especially John over the past three years since the pandemic, uh, I mean, pandemic hit and a little bit of my background is I worked in sports media and I, I ended up getting canceled. Uh, I ended up getting let go from some jobs. Uh, teams and networks will not touch me on the sports side because of the things that I cover. Um, but what happened to me was I thought I might be getting into ministry. I, I had a few of these things ripped away. And then for me, it's like, okay, maybe I'm going to be going into ministry in a, in a different sense. I was involved in Young Life when I was in college and then now here. Uh, talking to you, uh, I've had just such a clear understanding of God's word, uh, what justification looks like, um, what true reverence to God and serving in a God-centered community looks like. And it's been absolutely incredible. The people I've been able to rub shoulders with, the conversations with people I've been able to have. And that's what I enjoy the most is talking to people about Jesus and how we can live for him better. Amen. And you said a few things there that are really important. Um, when you understood about being in a, a real Christian community, I have the same thing in my life. Um, when I was just an on my own Christian, it was like I, I would drift into this and drift into that. But when I got plugged into a good church and a good community and got around people who were actually walking the walk for the first time in my life, I got around a group of people like that it completely changed me. It strengthened my relationship with Christ so much. I didn't, I didn't really know what a relationship with Christ was until I got around people who actually had the relationship. And I was like, oh, this is what it looks like when you actually walk it out and you're not just wishy-washy and doing the Sunday motivational speech type sermon thing, you know? So I definitely feel you on that. And, and then, um, John, yeah, accountability groups, especially as men, when we're in, we're in a Bible study together and it's not the question of, okay, we just read this passage. What did you get out of it? It's like, no, we read this passage. Now we're going to get into the context of this passage. We're going to understand what is the intended um, reason for this passage and then how can we apply that uh, to our life. Also, here's like more of a confession of what's going on in my life. Here's how I'm not living for the Lord. Here's how people can hold me accountable. From there, man, like if you're actually telling people about your sins and not using them as mediators, but using them as accountability partners to say like, no, I want to be living uh, for Christ. And I can't do it without my community's help, whether at the church and a men's Bible study. And then obviously too, like you're a married man. I'm looking forward to being a married man. You're going to have that with your, with your spouse, anybody listening here. It's like, it's a beautiful thing. It's like, here's what's going on. I need help. Um, and you have people pointing you to Christ. It's amazing. Yeah. And it's, what, what you were saying about, um, you know, being vulnerable and, and talking to people about things that are going on. Also, reading the Bible in context. I think when you read the Bible in context and you understand it, it makes it a lot easier to be vulnerable because you're all working towards a goal together. And I think that that's a, that's a sign of manhood that, uh, that tends to get ignored. You know, uh, some, some people in culture today think anything manly has to be, you know, that quote-unquote toxic masculinity you know that we yeah. hear so much about um but they forget that that manliness is is just being in community with men who are trying to be good husbands to their wives who do struggle with things and who just want to take care of their kids and, and be a good father to their children i think that's the most manly thing you can do is to take care of your family and take care of your children and look for other people to help you do that 
it's so important. Um, all right, so before we go down this whole rabbit hole of discussing uh, what manliness looks like in comparison to what culture says it looks like, um, how did you get involved with Turning Point USA? And for those of you, for those people who might be listening that do not know what Turning Point USA is, just give a little background of, of what it is. Well, Turning Point USA is a nonprofit started by Charlie Kirk. Charlie Kirk is probably one of the biggest conservative voices on radio and media altogether. So it's all about reaching the younger generation. So there's TPUSA chapters on college campuses and now high school campuses because there needs to be conservative representation on those campuses, specifically when it comes to colleges. They are obviously so liberalized. They are so indoctrinated and just left-wing politics and ideals run rampant there. So at the same time, though, when you have a group that's doing whatever they can to make sure there's not only representation there uh, on campus to make sure there's diversity of thought, at the same time, you want to win some of these elections on campuses because yeah. uh, the money that is flooding into these college campuses is utilized through these student unions and through uh, these college chapter presidents. And if you're going to be working with the administration and you have a conservative voice that is about conserving life, it's about conserving marriage, it's about conserving uh, the actual history of the United States and things that I believe made this country prosperous, it's monumental. So that, and then also too, there's a media side of Turning Point USA. It's got to be in the realm of Daily Wire, PragerU, and, uh, but nobody really does what Turning Point USA does in, in that sense. Also, TPUSA started TPUSA Faith, the Faith Division. So connecting with some churches around the country and um, trying to make sure that we're building back biblical. That's something I ended up telling them is you hear so much about build back better. It's like, just use build back biblical because the biggest issue that I think personally, what I think we're dealing with is biblical illiteracy. So when we talk about getting those accountability groups, you're getting into a good church that actually preaches the word expository um, preaching. You get an understanding of, oh, this is the filter that I can see culture through. This is the filter I can see politics through. This is the filter I can see relationships through because uh, I love the old adage when people are just like, man, I don't know if I'm really hearing God. It's like, well, maybe read your Bible out loud. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> you, can, you can hear pretty clear. So like Turning Point USA, it dabbles in the media space, uh, the political space, uh, and then now a little bit more in the faith space. And I'm a contributor with uh, TPUSA Faith. Uh, might be the only reformed um, TPUSA Faith <laughs> contributor there. Um, but I, I try to use my platform as well um, to make sure that, like, see me as John Root. Uh, I, I know we're going to get into it. I spoke at San Francisco State weeks after Riley Gaines had her event and she was assaulted at. I started my speech as, judge me for John Root. I am not Matt Walsh. I'm not Charlie Kirk. I'm not Candace Owens. I'm not Ben Shapiro. I'm John Root. So if you have any issues with what I have to say or you don't believe anything I have to say is biblical, Boom. Go after me, but don't be like, well, Charlie said this. It's like, I don't speak for Charlie. And then Charlie doesn't speak for me. So I, I would hope that uh, Charlie would never be like, you know what? John Root said this. Like somehow he's held accountable um, for, you know, heaven forbid, I, I really fall short in media or say something insensitive. Like Charlie, obviously, like 
it's a little bit different story when he's the president of uh, an organization, but we're not going to be held accountable what other uh, conservatives say. I know there's plenty of talk like that online, even something I posted the other day, people are asking me like, well, somebody said this in the Christian conservative circle about Christian nationalism. I was like, I'm not that person. Like, you can ask them. Like, I'm happy to give my take on certain things, but don't act like somehow, some way, just because we have some theological uh, connections or something that I'm like, yep, I endorse everything he says. And that's what we're going to get into here. If you're conservative, it's like, oh, whoa, you got to be totally on board with everything Trump says. It's like, we can't be held accountable to everything he says. Just like I don't expect people who unfortunately voted for Joe Biden to be held accountable with everything he says. Obviously, you're held accountable in a sense if you vote for the person. But like if you're somehow saying I need to pay for the sins of somebody else, it's like, come on, people, we're getting too crazy here. Yeah. And I, I think you make a, a really good point. And this is this is something that I, I want to discuss with you about how, um, you know, hey, judge me for me. I, I'm not Matt Walsh. I'm not. Candace Owens, I'm not this person, I'm not that person. I'm an individual and I have individual ideas and my ideas may differ from people who are quote unquote in the same party as me or who vote in the same direction as I do. But that doesn't mean that I subscribe to everything that they believe and everything that they say. And I'm not guilty for that. So I was talking to, you know, Angel Kiros. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, that's actually how I got put on to you was, was Angel Kiros. I love that guy. So he made a really good point. He said, you know, when it comes to um, conservatives, right, there's a really fringe group of conservatives who are like down with the whole Christian national thing, you know, and, and there's even a spectrum within what Christian nationalism looks like. I think that Christian nationalism is like, hey, if we share the gospel with everybody and then it becomes a Christian nation because we have a whole bunch of Bible believing Christians here, then I guess Christian nationalism just happened, but you know, there's other ones who are like, no Christian nationalism by force, you know, there's, there's like difference. So he was saying how, um, when it comes to the conservative party, there's a whole bunch of different spectrums, but most people are, are, are not that far all the way far right, crazy caricature of conservatives that people on the left think that every conservative is right. And then he made the point that, but, when it comes to on the left he's like that crazy fringe type stuff is mainstream it's it's yeah. like you know we we have a president now who's like yeah let's trans the kids let's let's do it you know that is that's some pretty far left stuff that most democrats if you just look historically would not be down with you know and and it's just that's become mainstream so with all that i know i just said a lot but uh you know, what do you think are some of the issues that the conservative party, especially young, younger conservatives are facing when it comes to, to getting a unified voice across the board and getting that voice heard? So that way, when people look at somebody who's a conservative, they don't just automatically think, uh, you know, Trump cult. I think first and foremost, people just need to start having conversations. But that's also the tough thing because people might be watching or listening and they're like, dude, I can't talk to my family members or my old friends. They don't think that I'm worth the conversation because they think I've been radicalized. Like, dude, I've had some really tough situations, just like I'm sure you have, John, and uh, anybody watching or listening where it's like, shoot, I lost a friend just because they decided to project what uh, – 
some politician said or some other conservative influencer and put me in that box. And then unfortunately, I think this kind of goes back to what I tell people a lot. I'll never forget when Trump was debating Hillary and Hillary was talking about how we shouldn't put people in the boxes. And that was uh, during the 2016 election. And that's exactly what happens now. And believe me, left and right, they do it. They decide, hey, if you voted for this guy or you voted for that guy, like you are this. Like if we start having more conversations uh, and also too, the Republican Party needs to become a little bit more hip. Um, you can't just start beating people over the head with like, well, this is logical. This is logical. This is logical. It, it's not working. And we found out just like from a political standpoint, what is going to affect voters? Fear. And the left does it so well. They market fear unlike anybody else. They could bottle up fear and you would have uh, Democrat voters just buy that by the barrel because they're now going through the abortion topic and they're saying, women, do you want to go back like over half a century and, and lose your rights? And unfortunately, it's not logical. John. We, we know that it's not logical, yeah. but specifically these younger voters, they're just like, well, like, you know, what if, what if I get raped? And then uh, I have these Republican politicians that uh, potentially want to give me jail time. Like, obviously, we need to get people to understand that, like, this is a life made in the image of God. But people on the left, they start, or younger voters, which Gen Z is the most godless generation we've ever seen. I mean, that's the truth. That's not to say that every Gen Zer is godless and that none of them are safe. Like, no, there's, some, there's a remnant inside of Gen Z and they're amazing, but they buy into this fear and it's totally illogical. And what I think the right needs to start doing is actually being like, hey, no, this is a legitimate fear, not just a fear tactic that the left tries to utilize. So like, no, you should be terrified that you are somehow okay and indoctrinated into just discarding a life, having it ripped limb from limb inside your body and feeling that that is empowering, like just sticking on the abortion topic. You should be very concerned and fearful that fentanyl is just running through the southern border because a southern border being wide open doesn't mean that we don't care for people that are coming from just impoverished countries. No, the cartel is just mis, uh, just mistreating women and kids. There's rapes going on on their way to the place that Joe Biden's saying, come on in, like this whole Title 42 situation. So I know it's a long answer, but with this situation, there is legitimate fears that people need to understand and I think if the right starts playing into that, where it's like, we have a chance to where it's like, your freedoms could be completely gone if we keep going down this direction. And that should be, you should be scared, not scared that somehow trans lives are at risk because that's just, it's illogical. It's not true, but it takes conversations. It takes more money being spent for ads. Uh, but there needs to be a work done, especially I think by the church not saying, oh, if you're Christian, you need to vote Republican. It's like, no, you need to understand the truth. And the truth of God's word should be the filter in which you decide to engage civically. Yeah, I, I think what you're saying there is is really important. And because I'm a very logical person, at least I, I like to think I'm a logical person. Uh, my wife might have a uh, different opinion <laughs> on that. But, um, you know, I, I like to believe that I think through things. And 
part of, you know, I, I'm pro-life before I was a Christian, right? And the reason that I was pro-life is just because it, well, one, I had someone uh, get an abortion behind my back or against my will. Um, and that, that like really scarred me because uh, I was begging her to keep the kid, you know, like just begging her saying, I will do whatever, whatever you want, whatever, you know, I have to do. Just please, let's keep this baby. And she's like, nope, my body, my choice. I'm doing it. And, um, you know, it, it kind of scarred me. So I guess that kind of pushed me in the direction of, of being um, pro-life even before I was a Christian. And But I thought about it logically. I'm like, this is a baby, you know? Like it just, it doesn't make any sense why we are dehumanizing a baby, right? It, it doesn't make any logical sense to me, but you are correct in saying that people who advocate for things that are demonstrable are they play on fear you can look at what hitler did with the jews he convinced a whole entire nation that these were the most evil people to ever walk the face of the earth and that they were subhuman and that they were somehow in danger by just having jews being alive that that's what he did to it and it's it spread across countries fear and i believe that it's because um we are emotional people right as rational as i think i am if i hit a panic mode my rationality goes out goes out you know it, yeah. it just happens and i think about you were talking how gen z is the most godless they're also the most emotional because think about when we were that that age when we were you know late teens super early 20s I was not the most logical person in the world. I was a very, very emotional person. And I also felt like uh, the world owed me something for some bad things that I went through. So I think about like that mindset now on a large scale with TikTok and Instagram and meme culture where you just read something, you read the title of something, you don't even read the article and you think that that now you have this thing to be afraid of and or you have something that you have to fight for now somebody's trying to take your rights as a woman someone's trying to take your rights away without even following this the the quote unquote right they are taking away to its logical conclusion you know so i think what you said is very important because the the conservative party is the party of logic logic and facts right facts don't care yeah. about your feelings big eyebrows you know it's it's what it is but People can't hear that. They hear emotion. That's why uh, you can listen to, to, I don't really listen to it anymore, but rap music don't even understand what, you know, uh, somebody from like the super far south is saying. I remember when I was a rapper, I couldn't understand a lot of things that southern rappers were saying, but the music sounded so good, people would buy it. Bad Bunny. You know how many Americans don't speak Spanish? They buy Bad Bunny stuff just because it sounds good. It pulls the emotions. You know, if you knew what that dude was saying, you'd probably stop listening to it. You know, it's it's crazy. I was talking to somebody about that the other day, John, that I was like, I like the beat of some of these songs, but I can't like I don't want to try to sing along because I have no idea what I'm saying. And I'm always and I think that comes from uh, a biblical discernment that I'm like, wait a second. I, I need to take just just one beat here. actually look up this song and be like, what what's being said here? Because I, I know, I think Ruslan had a video about it the other day. Maybe it was just a reel. And it's just like, what are you like, what's in your headphones every single day? Mm -hmm. Like, what, what are you listening to? And 
I think there's some things going on in um, the spiritual realm that, you know, Satan wants you to say, like, you know, it's not that bad. You know, it's just like you can repeat these words, but, like, you can believe that you're still a Christian. I mean, Mm -hmm. I think it just kind of goes back to the garden where it's like, did God really say that? Like, are, are you sure? You know, you know, may, maybe that was just like a misinterpretation. You, you misheard that or something. You know, it's okay that you listen to this because you know you still go to church on Sunday. But if you keep filling yourself with things that aren't of the Lord, you can't be asking yourself, "Why do I think this way? Like, why am I starting to objectify women? Why am I using vulgar language more? You know, why am I maybe even more upset uh, at times? It's just like what." Are you putting into your body? Obviously, like our body is a temple, but a lot of people just think about food. But what are you engaging with? What are the shows? What's the music? What are the podcasts? Um, And I think people need to use a little bit more discernment about those things. And also, too, maybe if I listened in Spanish class in high school, I would understand what's being said in these songs. But I (laughs) do. (laughs) And I'm sorry to all my teachers in high school. It's like they were trying to equip you to not get stuck listening to Bad Bunny, and you screwed it up, John. You screwed it up. <laughs> on me, but uh, going off a Gen Z voter base, I think if people just looked at the data, too, like people can take their time to to Google all those things. Like basically, what they voted for and what makes them a godless, illogical generation, just based on voters. Again, people hear me. Um, there are probably some Gen Zers watching this. They're going to be listening to this. And if you're a Christian, I'm I'm not talking to you, (laughs) but the vast majority of Gen Z voters, what they have said pretty much with their, uh, their voter history. And they, they came out in droves to vote. They said that, uh, gender is non-binary abortion is healthcare. America is systemically racist. Marriage is a social construct. God isn't real. I believe in white privilege and likes and followers equal worth. That's exactly what they were saying with their with their voting here, and I that's I mean it's just, it's just it's a fact. That was bars. That was <laughs> bars. Um, so, what do you think? Uh, how do you think conservatives could do a better job at at being able to um, share their values with people? Like, how do you? What's the words I'm looking for, right? So there's a, there's a difference between Christian values and conservative values, right? There yep. there is, but conservative values are supposed to emulate Christian values, right? So how do how do how are we supposed to get across the message of um, you know why conservative why Christian values are good for society as a whole, and maybe. Uh, since you were just speaking about those emotions and, and fears and, and using that as a, you know, as a way to be able to reach people, how can, how can we do that? Yeah. And that's where I'd start with, I am conservative because I'm Christian. I'm not Christian because I'm conservative. And I think sometimes too, those things get way too conflated. I, I know I share this a lot and I hope people can appreciate it because I don't bow down to the altar of conservatism. I bow down to the cross of Jesus Christ. That, that, that's it. Like, that's the way that I live my life. And I think people need to understand, you know, where do morals and values come from? 
Um, I know there's with the Sam Harris's in the world and the new atheism as it's being turned, like that's running rampant in our world that we're living in a postmodern society where there is a new Tower of Babel being built. I believe this 100% that we are now so intellectual. We are so scientific. We know so much and we can do this and we can do that. We can play God here that I think what needs to be done is start at the root of the issue. There's going to be some people that have ears to hear. It's like, just let's have a conversation about you know, where do morals come from? And obviously I'm talking about uh, conversations that we can have uh, with people at work, our family members, uh, at our churches, but also what the Republican Party needs to do and conservative influencers is not just like own the libs. Like everybody is so stuck on this. Look at how dumb this is. Look at how, like some of these things are really evil and they need to be spoken out against. Uh, but if you're going to continue just to attack a person's personal being without attacking the root of the issue, you're coming across as just a mean-spirited person. And, they, and then, of course, people are going to be like, well, conservatives are just a bunch of jerks. All they want to do is just like own the libs and feel uh, morally superior. So I think there needs to be better content because where is a lot of the younger generation getting their information? They're not getting it from Fox News. They're not getting it from CNN or MSNBC. They're getting it from other influencers. They're getting it from these young TikTok stars. So um, I know there's plenty of times I'm not on TikTok. So it sounds like I'm maybe speaking out of both sides of my mouth here. But there is a reason to be in these spaces and in trying to work as hard as we possibly can to make sure the gospel is preached. And again, gospel is the filter in which we should be engaging civically. Uh, that doesn't mean we're trying to build a theocracy. All those people out there uh, trying to say we're trying to build this new uh, Christian nationalist theocracy nation here. I think people need to understand that like, hey, we understand the issues of these younger voters. We understand the issues that you're going through. We empathize with you, but also here's the truth and here's it in a median that's just a great way um, to have dialogue. Because I think right now, just younger people, they're just inundated with nonsense. And that's where there's a part of me that thinks it might be too far gone. Obviously, that doesn't mean I'm putting God in a box. God can do anything. But we're, we also have to come to the terms of we are a nation that has disregarded God. And every single nation that's disregarded God has just been obliterated. So I think we need to kind of live in that space of that could happen. Like we could be severely persecuted as Christians, but if we do want to reach the next generation, like number one, start with the gospel and then have, you know, pastors and influencers that consider themselves Christians start engaging in these conversations so people can start thinking logically, back it up with scripture and actually have fruitful conversations. Stop just trying to own the libs. That's a fact. So I have, uh, you know, family members. Most of my family are liberal, right? Uh, most of them lean left. And one thing that I appreciate about them is that they they hold to like the many of them hold to the quote unquote actual liberal value of, hey, you live your life. I live my life. You know, that that thing that has turned into, hey, let me live my life if you don't agree with my life, I'm going to force you 
to agree with it. You know, it's, it's changed from that. But there are um, traditional people who have traditional liberal values or traditional democratic uh, values that are totally cool with being friends with people who don't share the same values and are, are open to saying, hey, you can have those beliefs and I'll see you at the, you know, I'll see you in the booth. I'll see you at the voters uh, box, you know, who, whoever gets a, gets ahead, we'll see what laws come in. And I think that the whole owning the libs thing, it like, it makes people who would normally be open to having a conversation would normally be open to having friends who are from the other side. It shuts it down. You know, it just shuts it down because like, why would they, if, but this is also one of the problems of creating a caricature out of a conservative thinking that everyone is trying to own the libs when that's just, you know, that's just what's popular. It gets clicks. But I, I wouldn't say that that's the overall, um, the overall popularity within uh, conservative voters. Would you agree? Disagree? Yeah, because yeah, uh, that's what I would agree with. Like the maybe the influencers that get a, a lot of clicks a, and go viral don't necessarily represent conservative voters as a whole because there's so many great conservative media members and influencers that really do some great work and have some awesome conversations so again this is not me trying to paint with a broad brush but i think uh you know i have a specific viewpoint too from like turning point usa the conversations i have with kids the kind of content that i see from the younger generation you know that's maybe me in that specific bubble but I feel like I do have a fairly good grasp of what the young voter looks like and the conservative media space and what they've been continually trying to push and seeing how it just doesn't work. It really does not work at all. And I think you're just almost preaching to the choir, but there's, there's this middle ground that people are desperately trying to figure out, man, I, I want to hear a little bit more of a conversation from both sides. Obviously when you have, the Democrats that are not going to allow Joe Biden to be out there to have debates like you saw the same thing with Carrie Lake uh, going for governor in Arizona. You know, Katie Hobbs never debated anyone in her own party, never debated Carrie Lake. We're about to see the same thing with Joe Biden. Like that's the way our country is going, but that shouldn't be the way that individuals in our countries act. Uh, individuals in our country should be able to come together to have discussion, but everything has become so you're either this or you're that mass. You're either saving people or you're killing people. Vaccines, the same thing. Um, and you know, it's, you're either for the rights of women or you're not when it comes to abortion, like it's start, you're, you're being put in these two boxes, but people are in this middle ground right now too. Even just thinking about the Bud Light situation. There's plenty of people that probably consider themselves like Democrat or liberal. And they're like, I'm not down with some dude cosplaying a chick, uh, trying to tell women what womanhood looks like. There's plenty of people in the middle. And they're like, I'm not buying Bud Light. I'm not, I'm not doing this. There's plenty of parents out there. They're like, I don't want to see drag shows, um, you know, at these sports games. I don't want that stuff involved in my kids schooling. Like there's people in the middle that, just desperately want to hear points that aren't so far right or so far left. They want to hear people that are living a little bit more even keel. But just like you said, John, like that kind of stuff does not get clicks. Look at any major news outlet, look at their YouTube, 
their biggest videos are ones that are going to get you to get some sort of visceral reaction. It's going to get you upset. It's going to get you riled up because that's what works in media. And unfortunately, that's where we're at. Yeah, definitely. And one thing about, um, you know, what you're saying about people being in the middle, right? I I look at men playing in women's sports, right? And I know you speak out on this a lot. I look at that as like, uh, you know, here you are the party that's against the patriarchy, but you're allowing the patriarchy to win in canceling out women, like giving them no shot at at winning in sports. And I know people look at it like it's trivial, like, oh, it's just sports, it's just sports. Yeah, it's, it's trivial on the from the outside looking in if you have no perspective of how hard a woman has worked her whole entire life to just gain an extra second on her 100-meter dash, and then you have somebody just come skipping along and ruin their college uh, uh, scholarship just because, you know, we're, we're afraid to say, hey, you know, you probably should not be racing against women you know it's like the patriarchy winning down with the patriarchy but you know men dress like women awesome yeah let's have you guys win um so before we jump into the trump to, to the trump stuff uh because i really 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 want to talk to you about that <laughs> i'll say uh, based off that john to catch you off real quick is if people just look at the way the u.s house voted every single democrat voted for men in women's sports every single what uh, every single one it's That's it's bananas. crazy like, it, and then they can't even you have people that are going into the supreme court and they can't even tell you what a woman is so like that's where those people in the middle like you're now going to have to decide you might there's always like lesser of two evil stuff but like men and women's sports like this is a situation i care about sports a ton uh, i cover that on my platform like I was there when Leah Thomas competed against all of those women. I was there at Georgia Tech. And you could just see the place was deflated. Um, but also that's where we need to hammer uh, the NCAA. Whether we like it or not, Leah Thomas actually went along with the rules. So like Leah Thomas abided by the rules and those rules were ridiculous and oppressive to women. But these are kind of things I think we need to focus on and stop making these things like, all oh, sports are just sports. Like, look at what's happened to our society now that we don't have an outlet away from politics and outlet away from nonsense. Where do we go to now? There's like really no other place if we don't have sports. Yeah, sports used to be like a, a nice neutral ground in where you could just yell at people you don't like and and uh, and hate hate players for just the the simple reason that they're wearing the wrong jersey you know it was uh it was such a neutral thing people out the game that's what i was i was in la for uh for game four of the uh Lakers. yeah i saw that i saw that and um i'm still bummed that like i spent that kind of money and i saw the, the warriors lose but it was a great memory with a bunch of my college buddies but like dude i'm going back and forth with lakers fans there's nothing like vile or anything like that but like afterwards you just dap them up you're like good win um See you game five. And, yeah. and that's the kind of thing that we could we could focus on. And I don't care how they voted or what their sexual identity is. Exactly. Like, I'm rooting for the Warriors. You're rooting for the Lakers. That's it. Yeah, yeah. My my brother and my uh, stepmother are Mets fans, so they have a you know, they have a tough road all all the time. I think yeah. I've switched I, I think you know, I'm I'm like middle ground when it comes to sports stuff. If if 
a New York team is in the World Series, I'm like, all right, cool. Yeah, I'm going to pay attention a little bit, <laughs> right? But, uh, like, I've always had a soft spot for the Mets because uh, my father used to take me to the games when I was younger. But anyway, let's it. let's briefly touch on uh, what happened after the Riley Gaines incident when you um, – when you went to go speak at S, I believe it's SSFU, right? Or SFSFSU, right? Um, so you went literally a couple weeks after Riley Gaines was attacked. I know they tried to play you too. Like they really did, they set up a bunch of hurdles for you in order for you to not speak, but you still spoke. So just, Talk to us about how that went, how that led up, and then I know everybody's waiting for us to get into the Trump stuff. So, uh, yeah, talk to us. Yeah, real quick here. Uh, if people didn't see it, Riley Gaines spoke at San Francisco State University just weeks prior. Uh, that I already had my, my speech booked. I was already going to be after Riley Gaines. There was nothing we were hearing about uh, potential pushback. Like, there's always pushback. Uh, with a lot of these events, but obviously we never would have imagined what happened to Riley. She was legitimately assaulted. She was held for ransom. We we know that. I've shared that on my uh, social yeah, media. Yeah, saw the video. And it's just like, you have people saying, if you give us this amount of money, we'll let her out. And then you even had people that came and stormed in and she got hit in the face. Um, so from there, that was an absolute PR nightmare for San Francisco State. Uh, it, was, it was disgusting. It was vile. And that's actual fascism. When you have a just hyper, almost militant group that is not allowing you to speak and is telling you that we will hurt you, whether physically or monetarily, um, in order to get our specific belief system and we will not hear yours. Like there's no diversity of thought. So what ended up happening was, I mean, it just blew up and there's a ton of people like Riley has become a great friend of mine. She has been an absolute rock star, man. She is amazing. And people have to remember, I'm, I'm pretty sure Riley's only like 23. Yeah. Like she's really young and she's been thrown into a situation where she tied Leah Thomas for fifth place at, uh, in one of the events at the NCAA Swimming Championships. And then from there, she said, you know what? I am going to be courageous and I'm going to speak out against this. Uh, but that's where I totally had her back. Uh, it got to a point where the only reason I did this event off campus where they were trying to push it off campus. There was a ton of tickets um, that people registered for. They were trying to put me in the same room that Riley Gaines was attacked in. Um, and, but the thing was they were threatening these TPUSA students behind the scenes. Like you have the uh, assistant dean of students. You have, you have two people. I know exactly what they're saying to these students behind the scenes. And they say, there will be disciplinary action if you try to have this on campus. We revoked your room, which was already illegal and they were trying to push us into uh an outdoor space almost baiting us to do that because they refused to give us a bigger room and they said if that was held there that we would be responsible for uh any issues because conservatives are always the instigators conservatives are always the ones like they basically never condemned the violence against Riley Gaines. And if there was violence against me or them, some of, the kid, some of these kids might not even be able to graduate. And I'm not gonna try to give a speech at the expense of these kids not being able to graduate. Like the wokeness that is spreading through that campus is disgusting. But I ended up going there. I spoke to kids for a couple hours earlier in the day, told people, hey, go meet me 
uh, at the park across the street. That's where I'm going to have my speech. And I had some good conversations, some people in that middle ground uh, that are like, wow, I actually like didn't expect to have a conversation cordially like this uh, with you. And there's plenty of other people that are flipping us off. There's some videos I posted, but the park was shut down when we got there. The park ranger, was it was like crazy. It's like, this is too much of a coincidence. Then we did it across the street from the park, found a space. There was probably like uh, 75 people there. Like for all the switches we had to do to get 75 people there was great. I spoke about how wokeness is destroying America. And I preached the gospel as well because I was telling people that is the most important thing. And I know something we're going to talk about and something I honed in on my speech was we have to stop making idols out of politicians and political parties because you can be the best conservative of all time. You can get all the awards, all the accolades, all the love, but you're not going to heaven. And, you know, God, the judge is not going to be like, you know what? Well done, good and faithful conservative. It doesn't work that way. Um, and if we start, um, if we stop making the main thing the main thing, Jesus Christ, and replacing that with other idols, there's an issue there. Uh, but I think once we start making the main thing the main thing, we start to really have our eyes open, our ears open, and our heart open to the nonsense that's going on in our world and how to have better conversations. Believe me, too, I get riled up. I sometimes maybe react uh, on Twitter quicker than I should or on social media than I should. Uh, but thank God for, for his grace and uh, I, I try to portray him really, really well. And I think the event went great. And I think that led to a, a little bit more conversations about like, um, here's the Christian perspective on love and acceptance. I had a good um, video that went semi-viral there um, because people thought I was abusing my faith. Uh, they, I, had a, I had a girl came up there and, and told me that like, we're basically like, why don't you accept trans people? It's like, well, um, let's think about it this way. Like, Jesus, at the woman, woman at the well, woman caught in adultery, uh, anybody he interacted with, his love did not equal acceptance of a sinful lifestyle. He said, go and sin no more. So having people understand that, that like there is a standard by which we need to live by and saying that people need to have some blind acceptance for things of the world is not actually following Christ. And that's not actually the Christ of the Bible. So like getting people to start thinking a little bit more, you know, logically about that, inviting people to read the word too. It's like, don't take John's word for it. Like read, read the word um, in context and, and you'll be able to get that. And obviously that led to my uh, little, little post about uh, people making Donald Trump an idol. And that really got people riled up. That was great. Yeah. So the, uh, I made a video out of, um, uh, something that you posted. I, f I always forget this lady's name. She got the the blonde hair, but she was like in the car talking to the the um, a, a news guy and was was talking about how Trump is getting um, persecuted during the same week that Jesus did, and like drawing parallels between Trump Marjorie and Jesus. Yeah, yeah, Marjorie Taylor Greene. Uh, she's she's an interesting character, um, and like when I saw that, I'm like, this is this is not. This is not how you do this, guys. Like, this is not you can you can support this dude because you like his policies all you want. But we cannot be over here turning him into Jesus, into the second coming of Christ. We just cannot be doing this. And this, this I think that this makes conservatives look the most stupid out of everything. It's not, um, you know, them 
you know, uh, it's not the left misunderstanding their stance on abortion. It's not the left misunderstanding their stance on, you know, biblical marriage values. It's not the left's misunderstanding of uh, conservatives caring about the Second Amendment. It's none of that. It's when you start talking about Jesus and Trump at the same time, and you start equating them, you just look absolutely stupid. And we have to stop doing this. So d- tell us, you are like the epitome of conservative, right? Like from the outside looking in, anybody hears you, TPUSA, it's like that guy is conservative, conservative. How does somebody who is conservative, conservative, talk about how we shouldn't be worshiping Trump when people think that conservatives worship Trump. How does it's not computing. So talk to us about that. I guess first and foremost, again, you know that I'm a Christian. I want people to know that I am a Christian and it goes back to the beginning of our conversation. Like, Don't judge me based off other people. Like I am not Marjorie Taylor Greene. Marjorie Taylor Greene does not represent the conservative base uh, completely. And when people say things that are against the word of God, or they start propping people up as idols, as saviors, when they aren't Christian themselves, there's, I know this is another thing that gets people real riled up, um, but there's too many Cenos out there, Christian in name only. There is a lot of politicians and conservative media members that tout Christian and almost put that on uh, like a new t-shirt and then take it off when uh, they don't really want to live by those values. They do that because they want to get the evangelical voter or they want to look like they're moral somehow, some way. There was another tweet that was out there that it's like, it's almost so silly. You, you got you to gotta laugh at this stuff because even when Marjorie Taylor Greene said that, I was just like, you're kidding me. But they wanted to look like <laughs> Christian, Christian persecution. They're like, wow, look at this connection. Uh, it's the Holy Week and uh, Trump, our savior, is now getting first it's like give me give me a break dude he had to take his private jet to go do a couple hour meeting and then he took his private jet um and four course meal back to his florida bungalow like the guy's okay like he takes a lot of hits and he's taking a lot of hits uh for the conservative base and i can appreciate that but you have other tweets like uh this guy named joseph d mcbride Uh, I think he's a lawyer in New York City. President Trump will be arrested during Lent, a time of suffering and purification for the followers of Jesus Christ. Get this. As Christ was crucified and then rose again on the third day, so too will Donald Trump. Violence is never the answer. Winning the election is. Vote for Trump. (laughs) It's like, just crucify me like that. You know? Like, like, come on, man. It, it's so bad. It's so bad. Um, <laughs> stuff, John. Like, this is literally, this is literally Babylon B. Yeah, it's, it's, it's real life Babylon B. No satire. Like, <laughs> <laughs> there was another, there was another thing that I, that I shared. That was a part of, um, uh, an Instagram post that I, that I put together. Uh, this lady, uh, Bridget Gabrielle, she blocked me now. Um, I guess because I said something against do you, Trump. Do you want a bucket? Do you, do you want a bucket for your tears? <laughs> Dude, Dude <laughs> seriously. I can't believe I got blocked. Uh, she said, it's time for America to turn back to God. And it's Trump with uh, these like little like flames around him and like holding a crucifix. And she, because I, I ended up questioning her. And she's like, well, President Trump is holding a crucifix in the 
in this image, and America needs to turn back to God. There's nothing funny about this at all. And, dude, we're starting to get into this crazy place of Trump had some great policies. Guys, I voted for him twice, and I will not apologize for that at all. But if we pretend like he is some sort of savior for us and a good model of Christianity, there's a lot of people that have decided to compromise on their faith just because of their support of Donald Trump. In a lot of ways, I know it pissed people off on the conservative side, but here's the truth. like He's not a very moral man in yep. a lot of ways. And he doesn't really stand with the Christian values in a lot of ways. He has, like his policies were great for the evangelical base. What he did to get Supreme Court justices in there to save the lives of, of millions of babies, that was amazing. And he should be applauded for it. But look at what's going on with uh, the way that marriage has been ordered and created by God. He threw a party at Mar-a-Lago after the Respect for Marriage Act. Like, this is the kind of person that, that's compromising here. So every time we vote, there's probably still people thinking like, well, you know, now I'm confused. Like, should we vote for this guy? It's like, basically, Trump and DeSantis are the guys right now. There's no way that you can vote for anybody in the Democrat Party as a Christian for president. I, I don't I don't see it. I, I really, really don't see it. But that also doesn't mean that we fully endorse every bit of Donald Trump. And that's what's happening now is a lot of people are starting to say, like, Trump, who I believe had some of the best policies and is one of the best presidents we've seen policy wise in the history of our country. But he does wrong. People that are saying like he does no wrong and the visceral reaction from people online that say anything against Trump, this is turning into a cult, like plain and simple. Like I still uh, appreciate what Donald Trump's done for the country. I'm interested to see what's going to be happening with this next cycle. But if you start to really believe that he is the one that's going to save us, and even in Christian circles, you got people that I don't, I mean, these very charismatic circles, they're throwing out these prophecies like somehow, some way, Trump is the savior. He's a either from the secular perspective, he's a King Cyrus. Um, and if he's a King Cyrus, that also makes us the new holy land. Like these, these kind of connections here are a gross, not misinterpretation of the Bible, but a gross um, way of getting people to buy into us as God cares about us the most. He cares about America the most. And the only way that the world is going to be saved is through Donald Trump. Like these Christian connections here, like it's very, very dangerous, but they get that hyper-politicized person that's starting to dive into faith. And that's where you're going to start to see things like uh, the Founders Bible out there, where it's like, let me just insert the Constitution inside of the pages of the living word. Uh, like these are, th we can't start buying into these things. This is, it's too, too much. Yeah, there's, it's, it's one thing to love that our country is founded on Judeo-Christian values. You know, it, it's just a fact that, that those values influenced the constitution. It, it influenced the thinking of our forefathers in America. It 100% did. And I know not everybody was a Christian, you know, some of them were deists, some like there was a, it was a mixed bag, but the Christian values influenced, it's the reason why we have the freedom that we do in this country and why there is no other country like it, right? Um, but America's not in the Bible. 
Like it's just, it's not right. <laughs> so if like, if you look at Trump as the second coming of Christ, right. And as you were saying, like America is the new Holy land. You have to take, you have to take a back seat. You have to sit down, you have to open the Bible and you have to get back in the word and get focused on Christ again, because he's the only one that saves. Trump ain't going to save nothing. DeSantis ain't going to save nothing. Uh, Biden definitely ain't going to save nothing. Like when, when we're when we're talking about longevity and overall, Christ is the only one who can save us. So what what are some conversations that you've had with people? And I know we're, we're going to go a little bit over time. Is that OK? Yeah, yeah, it's totally fine. All right, cool. Uh, what What are some conversations that you've had with people within your conservative group who may lean a little into Trump idol worship? What are those conversations like? Because I, I don't really have any friends who are like who who hold Trump at, at that uh, you know at that high uh, like at the left hand of the Father. You know, like you got Jesus on the right, Trump on the left. Um, yeah, some of those conversations basically, I mean, there's plenty of people that aren't making him out to be like a Jesus Christ figure, like completely, but they are like dabbling with that. So like getting people to understand that, you know, every single leader across the entire world is in that position because God allowed it. And to feel like somehow, some way that uh, God decided to take a back seat and now Biden's president. Like, no, there's, there's a specific reason and plenty of times where we just don't understand why rulers rise and fall uh, at times. And maybe this is one of those where we need to understand, like, as Christians, people need to know the truth and we need to fight for this country. And there's nothing wrong with, you know, really loving your country and having patriotism. Uh, and I think that's where we get into like the Christian nationalist thing where it's like, I'm a Christian and I love America and I'll fight for America and those, those values. And that's what get in those conversations, having people understand that. Um, I'm trying to look back on some of the conversations I know I had in uh, my post on Instagram. And, you know, I've shared with a lot of people, like really, because I share that people are worshiping Trump. And I believe from a Christian perspective, that is a slippery slope and maybe even at times past the slippery slope, wrong you want to unfollow me like i pity those people because you're now in a in a place where i'm like let's start to think from a thirty thousand foot view that like what has trump done for the nation incredible things most peaceful we've seen this country and the world during a presidency during my lifetime and some of these peace deals getting uh the embassy into jerusalem these things are amazing but also like we got to stop looking at this in some way of yes god is using people and he's used donald trump in some amazing ways but to feel like this is somehow um buying into some prophetic situation where trump's going to be on this white horse and saving america and going to be side by side with with christ like people would say like yeah that's silly but your mindset and your comments and the way you interact with these situations say a little bit differently. It says that you're kind of, you're buying into this a little bit. And uh, some of the conversations too, I can't find this with a, with a quick uh, scroll, but just look at the people that Donald Trump surrounds himself with spiritually. 
Like people like Kenneth Copeland are yep. an absolute disaster. I pray for that man's soul because he is preaching the prosperity gospel. He's bamboozling people and he is desecrated um, things like Christ's blood and his body when it comes to communion. Just look these things up um, online. Like these are the kind of people like he introduced Kenneth Copeland introduced Donald Trump um, at, at a rally. These are the kind of things where we have to think as Christians, who is this man partnering with? Like, who is his uh, Christian accountability? So now we're looking at it through a lens. We have an understanding of, yes, a very flawed person, just like you and I are, everybody watching and listening. But if we want this person to be a public servant, we got to understand that if they call themselves a Christian, they need to be held to a Christian standard. And then also at the same time, there's going to be plenty of things that we're not going to like about Trump. And it's totally okay to call it out because that doesn't mean that now we are a shill for uh, DeSantis or somehow we've been liberalized. Like that's what I think it's turning into and getting people to understand that like we need to hold Donald Trump accountable just as we expect accountability from every single uh, civic leader in politics in America. Amen. So before we sign out, I have uh, some just quick questions. There's a whole bunch of other conservatives out there that would love to run for president and would love to get, you know, the uh, the Republican endorsement. Who are some people on the rise that you think maybe not this round? Right. But you think down the line could be could be good for the conservative party. Number one, I think of is Josh Hawley. I think Josh Hawley is an absolute rock star. And from everything that I've heard from people uh, in the political world, he is pretty solid in his faith. And I think he's a very well-spoken uh, individual. He seems to be um, a good husband, good father. Like, I, I don't know the guy personally, but this is from people that actually do know him personally. And through interactions, I've seen of him it seems like he does have a kingdom mindset obviously i take all this stuff with a grain of salt because anybody yeah. in politics i just um i i definitely pray for him and then even just pray for for biden i think we should all remember to do that like anybody that's uh in public service who pray for their soul and then they start living for christ but josh hawley is the first person i think of and i think who knows like you got to be playing the game somehow, some way. I don't know if he has aspirations for that um, at all, but uh, Josh Hawley, super, super solid guy. Awesome. I started following uh, this guy, Vivek Ramaswamy. Yeah, Ramaswamy. I like a lot of his stuff. I like that he's young, business-minded, but I, I don't know too much about him. I just like the clips that I be seeing from him. Yeah, I think it's going to be interested to see what he's like during the debates i mean he's yeah. got he's got no shot and then obviously um I, i've chatted with him before he was on a, a show that i was hosting for turning point usa and super super business-minded well-spoken guy yeah that, uh, I, i'm interested to see how he's going to go and, and maybe what kind of airtime he gets during the debates uh because i think he's he's trying to do whatever he possibly can to you know throw some sort of like viral clip out there, try to say something that's uh, a little dicey and spicy. 
uh, which I, I kind of like. Uh, he, he's trying to get his name out there. He knows that he's at the bottom of the totem pole. And um, who knows? He might be one of those people from a business-minded standpoint, whoever ends up uh, getting the nomination. I mean, I still feel like it's just going to be Trump. It's going to be it's, – it's his to lose. Yeah, of course. Especially after the CNN town hall that I think made CNN look even worse than CNN+. Plus. Uh, I mean, it's just they're, – they're struggling over there, but – how are these people going to go toe to toe um, with the Don? And it's it's like much must see TV when you have these debates. And I'm, Vivek, we'll we'll see, man. Maybe he could be a part of one of those administrations. Whoever ends up winning from a from a business standpoint, because uh, maybe he could be a transportation secretary. I think he'd do a little bit better than Buttigieg. <laughs> <laughs> and on that note. Uh, Johnny, tell the people where they can find you. Uh, you guys can find me on YouTube as well. Uh, YouTube.com slash at John Root. And then all the other socials, YouTube, uh, sorry, uh, Twitter and Instagram is at Johnny Root, J-O-N-N-Y-R-O-O-T underscore. Try to share a lot about my faith. I talk about the anti-woke side of sports, and I hope that anything I do is pleasing to God, honorable to God, respectful to God, and hopefully just creates a little bit more dialogue that we need in the world. Amen. Well, John, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for uh, you know sharing your perspective with me and with everybody that, that's been listening. Uh, you're really, really intelligent, dude, and uh, I'm excited to, to watch your growth and to you know follow you and see 10 years down the line where you're going to be. So, all glory to God, and thank you so much again for being here. Guys in the chat, thank you so much for engaging. Thank you, Neighbor's Dog, for just starting to bark right now. I appreciate it, and uh, we will see you guys on the next one. God bless.